You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey, this is Nathan. This is Jake. Hey, what's up? Let's get right get right into a topic that I know absolutely nothing about, which and is... I know somewhat more, but also very little about. Sports, the Olympics, and this whole... Yeah brouhaha happening with Simone. Simone Biles. Simone, Simone Biles. She hates America. That's my understanding from being uh-huh. following a bunch of conservative Twitter personalities. Yep. She hates America and we're a culture She's of a selfish princess. pansies and narcissists yep. who do not care about the greater good, but selfishly, the first time we have any shame or trouble or anything like that, we pull out and leave everybody Mental health, man. dangling. Super and fragile. Yeah, we just throw it all on the altar of mental health and yep i guess we should say what the story is just in case so what is the story jake simone biles pulled out of the team event for usa and she's a women's, gymnast women's gymnastics she's mm-hmm. widely considered to be the greatest of all time a living legend and probably her last olympics here probably not going to make it another four years and so we're pinning our hopes and dreams for Olympic gold on Simone Biles, and she's a story that we all, we can all get behind, and she's great. And so there's a big context for this uh, story, and the broader context for the story is the 1996 Olympics. And up until the 1996 Olympics, women, women's gymnastics had been dominated by the Russians. And we all remember the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta, and... We can all probably, probably if there are women gymnasts, female gymnasts that we can name, they're from that team because they changed the whole narrative and the story and put U.S. women's gymnastics right up at the top where we've sat for 30 years now. And so that's Dominique Dawes and Dominique Mociano and Carrie Strug and just a bunch of people like that, that if you were 12 at the time, you grew up crushing on or whatever. Um, and that's the famous story where we're going up against the Russians and we're down to the final event and it's the vault and we have to, to really perform and Dominique Mociano goes out and she just needs to stick her landing and she falls. And then Carrie Strug goes out and we just need her to stick her landing and she falls and injures herself, tears tendons in her ankle, but she has one more vault left and her coach and team doctor Larry Nasser are pressing her to push through the injury. And she's saying, I can't feel my leg. And they're saying, you have to do this. And so she runs and does the vault and sticks the landing on one leg and then collapses and is carried off crying by her coach. And she becomes America's beloved. And because... Because she, stu- she, because she got back up and went and stuck that vault, we finally toppled the Russians and ushered in a period of American dominance. Right. You told me, you, you know this lady, you know the image, and I don't recognize the name. I don't do sports. I can tell you some of the rules to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And, and I said, no, you know, you just don't remember the name Carrie Strug, but you know Carrie Strug. So I Googled, and yeah, it's an iconic image. Yeah. I know it. Yeah. She's being um, carried by, is it the coach? It's or, the coach, or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so if you if the name Carrie Strug isn't ringing any bells for you, uh, do a Google search and you will recognize it. It was a front page for weeks and just like 
you couldn't get away from the there had to have at least been a tv movie or oh yeah an hbo movie all kinds or, of stuff like that yeah. documentaries so that's the context right and we're in the team event yesterday and who is our who, who's trying to make a comeback and reclaim their spot and make it a run to reclaim their spot at, at the top of women's gymnastics it's the russians who are technically banned and not allowed to compete as Russians. So they're competing as the Russian Olympic Committee and they're not allowed to wear a Russian flag and they're not allowed to do anything, but they're there as Russians wearing Russian colors. And the top gymnasts in the world, the greatest of all time, does a practice vault, says, I'm not feeling it, I'm out and walks off. And so that created controversy. And so, but, but then it gets really complicated. She leans on mental health. So on the one hand, you have people who are looking at her and saying, dude, you're supposed to be the greatest of all time. This is the Olympics. Who cares whether you're feeling it? Represent. This is your moment. And you know what? Everybody out there is under a lot of pressure. And nobody's experienced and dealt under pressure more than you. And okay, you have to live up to being the greatest of all time. Everybody else has to compete with the greatest of all time. And if you step down, all of your teammates have to stand in and live up to the greatest of all time. So there's nothing, there's no escaping pressure for anybody here. Don't be precious. If you're the best, just do your job. Do what you came to Tokyo to do. Do what you signed up to do. Do what you're contractually obliged to do. Represent your country, suck it up, and go out there and win the gold like you're supposed to. Don't leave everybody hanging. And so that's, that's one side of it, right? And, and like Carrie Strug, right? Carrie Strug went out there on torn tendons and stuck a landing to topple the Russians because America mm. and because personal pride and because of mental toughness. And, and you're just going to go give up all of that, hand it to the Russians and walk away because of your mental, your mental health. Like, is that the thing that we're all going to, so that's, that's one side. The other side of it um, that you pick up watching, well, you p that you pick up watching some of some athletes, Olympic athletes talk about it. I watched one, one gymnast replay what happened in the trout run, which is she said that she lost herself, that occasionally a gymnast will be so locked in or not locked in or whatever, that she'll be in the middle of her routine, in the middle of a flip and forget where she is in that part of the routine. And that you can see that, she said, you can see that happen to her, happens to everybody from time to time. And she's getting ready to go and actually perform. And you have to understand how scary that is to lose where you're at in the middle of the air, how physically dangerous it is. You can come away crippled and how bad that is for your team if that's the situation you're putting everyone in. It could actually be framed as a, I'm not going to walk away from this crippled and I'm not going to hurt my team if my head's not right. Oh, I could really hurt my team if my head's not right. It's better for somebody who's men mentally prepared to step up and step in to this. So that's, there's that side of that, that thing too that people argue about or are arguing or talking about. And then there's the whole question of like, Carrie Strug was what, 15, 16 years old and she was telling her coach she can't feel her leg. She has no feeling in her leg and he's telling her with Dr. Larry Nasser behind him, mm -hmm. the monstrous pedophile. Convicted child rapist, we now know. That she has to do this. 
she can't walk away. And she's a, she's a 15, 16, I don't know, probably between 14 and 16. Uh, I didn't take time to look it up before we hit record, but it's 14 to 16 year old little girl who's being made to sacrifice and has been made her whole life to sacrifice her body in probably every possible way for the good of the American Olympic team so that everybody could, could watch her run around in tights and do a flip. And it's just like, man, how monstrous is all of it? Like how terrible is all of this? Mm. It, it's all bad. You think we don't have gladiatorial things in our society? It's like her pa- <laughs> My kids were watching some, some floor routine gymnastics in Geneva. My youngest daughter, who's seven, is like, I want to do gymnastics. I want to go to the Olympics. And they're like, sweetheart, you're never going to go to the Olympics. One, you're starting too late. Two, you have to be a genetic freak. And three, we have to have we have to make our everyone in our family's entire life and your entire life all about this one goal where every dollar and everything we do is bent on your gymnastic success. Our whole family revolves around that one goal. And this is what your life becomes. And that's insane. It's not healthy. It's not good. It's not worth it. Shannon Miller, there's another name just popped into my head that you might remember. So, yeah, a- anyhow, it's all just like, it's all a mess. And I, I don't really want to talk about any of it because the more I think about it, the more I think, turn it all off. Mm. <laughs> like, unplug. This isn't good for anybody. And why are we talking about this? These poor little girls. Do I think Simone Biles is a little bit of a, a princess who's had the world as she knows it revolve around her her whole life? Yeah. But how could you not be if you were in her position? That's what it literally has revolved around her her whole life. You couldn't be anything else. You just couldn't. She is what you have to be made into in order to do that. And entitled to the point that people are talking like, Certain scores have already been cooked in her favor because she's the draw and people want to watch or people want people to watch. Advertisers want people to watch. NBC wants people to watch. The Olympics Committee wants people to watch. Mm-hmm. The sport needs people to watch in order to fuel and generate interest in the sport. All the coaches and gyms around the country need people to watch and care. And Simone Biles is the way to make them care because they don't know who I already forgot her name is. Mm-hmm. And I already forgot her name. Right. Right. That's all you need to know. I yeah, already yeah. forgot her name. But some purists out there are like, you can clearly see ways that points that like the committee who's scoring, the judges are slanting things, everything towards Simone Biles and away from anybody that would can come close to topping her because mm-hmm. the, the story is she needs to submit her Goat status. Right. And so then, even if it, if that's true, like, th- there may be all kinds of other layers playing into this, too, where she's like, forget this whole thing. Like, I don't know. It's just like, it's complicated and it's hard to talk about. We're not going to solve it all today. We're not level. solving it and nobody spouting off on social media is solving it. It, I, You're entitled to your opinion, but you better understand it's just an opinion you don't we don't have there are too many moving parts for one conservative commentator to complain and say she just doesn't care about america man yeah yeah or for his 
progressive counterpart to say like mental health it's all wh- wh- what, what don't courage you- we must all celebrate her courage in protecting her own mental health and it's like no she is an entitled princess and also it's more complicated than all of that and i just don't we should treat it as a thing that happened and as something that maybe should have never been possible and but the additional complication is that having these conversations is part of the fun of the whole thing. It's the speculating only, it's about the, the personalities. Only fun of the whole thing, yeah, really. As far as I'm, well, I just keep thinking about the fact that uh, the new Space Jam movie is out. Space Jam: A New Legacy, which I don't think anybody really cares about. I haven't seen it. It looks like a real turkey, and it's supposed to be a real turkey. Yeah, and it's the 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 idea that Warner Brothers is trying to act like their IP is beloved in the same way as Disney's is just. Stupid. Come on, guys. Yeah. You're not Disney and you nobody cares about the the Warner Brothers brand. If you yeah, push all your IP in that movie and use it as a a big advertising scheme right. for your and then the type of IP that you're going to push in that movie is going to be your horror. Well, yeah, like because uh, kids a lot of kids are really going to watch their Looney Tunes movie. I wonder what those droogs from Clockwork Orange are. I should check. A, right. if they do, then you're monsters. B, they're not going to care. Like, they don't care about Stanley Kubrick, their kids watching a Looney Tunes movie. Uh, uh, The clown from it. Like, Disney has made itself one thing, and therefore it's able to, and then it's branched out into Marvel, but it's, it's able, it's contained its brand in such a way that it's a brand. Right. You can't just say, we did a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and you're supposed to care about it. That's not a brand. But anyway, my point in saying that was the only interesting talking point about either Space Jam movie, and they are such interesting talk, talking points that it was almost tempting to do a new legacy, and it would be actually quite fun someday on Sanity at the Movies to do the original. Yeah. Although I'm sure everything that you can say about it has already been said ad nauseum by lots of people, where Michael Jordan was in his career, yep. all that stuff. The fact that he starts the movie by saying, my dad just died, and so <laughs> I, I have to do baseball, and yep. that he, he leaned into that whole, and let them weirdly lean into that whole part of his Space Jam's a fascinating it, movie. It's it's a transitional getting my name and brand back into the public eye as I come back to basketball movie. Right. But it's so smart, weirdly, and yeah. not, not weirdly, because obviously Michael Jordan was a genius, but Michael Jordan's weird mix of being really great at that stuff, but always also seeming to transcend it and seeming not to care that much. Like, oh, yeah, I'll take money. Nike. Thanks. Yep. I mean, he cared. Republicans buy sneakers too. It's his famous. Yeah. So Michael Jordan was a salesman. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there is something. Well, again, my only real point in saying this is the personalities are interesting to talk about. You look at LeBron, who by all accounts wants people to like him in a certain way in this new Space Jam movie, where Michael Jordan always has that edge of, you know, I'm the greatest and the coolest. And to be in my presence is to be in rarefied air. Right. Which is the name of a Jordan biography, rarefied air. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, man, he was able to make that persona a thing and it worked and it suited the 90s in a way that was maybe the last time that could work. And now LeBron is trying to do the same thing, but he has to be a brand manager and make these brand deal. Like he's got a picture deal with, I think he actually moved from Warner Brothers to Universal, but he's got to make movies. He's got to have a stable of people that work with him. LeBron's public image is much closer to like Dwayne The Rock Johnson's public image That's right. than Michael Jordan 
whose public image was basically a guy that plays basketball. Yeah. And so I don't know where I'm going with all that, except for it to say the only fun that I see in any of this is talking about the personalities and the big splashy yep. sins, weaknesses, glories. Yeah. But when you're talking about teenage girls and <laughs> or early 20s, I think in the case of Simone Biles, this is different. Would you feel better if the Olympics was just men? Can I, should I ask that super provocative question? I'd feel better about gymnastics because gymnastics requires it to be girls. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with, with puberty. It has to do with center of gravity. It has to do with... Just bodies. Body, body structure. And, and so it's an added layer of, of awful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I mean, relatively speaking, watching Katie Ledecky kill it in swimming, uh, it's not the same thing. Or, or, yeah. So, I just the girls of it all, the mm-hmm. little girls of it all. That that's the that's the worst of it for me. Mm-hmm. And and it's also some of the coolest stuff that happens too, mm-hmm. like the women's floor routines and the women's gymnastics is some of the f- the f- most fun stuff to watch at the Summer Olympics. Yeah, I mean, every year I don't intentionally every four years, whatever. I don't intentionally watch anything. I just see the highlights that filter through and gymnastics is always the top of the highlights that filter through because it's the fun stuff to watch. It's just amazing what these girls can do. And it's, and they do it in a way that's actually beautiful. Like you watch the men's floor routines. It's not, it's not beautiful, whatever it is. It's, Mm -hmm. it's impressive, but it's not beautiful. And it's like watching ballet or something like that, but with just acrobatics. Right. So it's just, it's really cool stuff to watch. But when, when once you start to think, it, in, in some ways, it's like the movies, right? Once you start to think about what the actors have to do. Yeah, you know, is that famous Tim Challies piece that went around to evangelical circles a few years ago when Stranger Things season one was hitting and there's the scene in, I think, I don't know why I remember this, but episode two of, or maybe it's the first episode of, of the first season of Stranger Things, the teenage girl, you know, right. is, is in her bra or something like that. And it's not really all that provocative by hollywood standards but charlie's was st- just like step back and think there's okay. an actual teenage girl that actually had to be in her bra in front of a bunch of camera dudes and and now the whole world has seen her in her bra right like come on like and it is more think, than let's that think, let's I, think I, about I, the person here it's some kind of a sexual encounter i i, I don't care about that show frankly but it is more either, it is more so than just a, a bra scene also okay but i think but yeah, once you start to think, oh, people sacrifice their lives. They sacrifice everything on this altar. Certainly, many, many, many women sacrifice their children, quite literally, yeah. have them killed. There's an actress, I forget who, just uh, within the last year made a big point of that in her speech. Thank you for giving me abortion so that I could have this yep. career. Yep. Some wicked famous person whose name we would know, but yep. I don't remember who that was. If they don't sacrifice actual children, that many of them sacrifice their childbearing years. Yep. Yeah. Well, and you see it come out with stuff like with Larry Nasser, right? Like it's all part of putting your kids on the altar mm-hmm. of success. It's the kind of person that, kind of people that would rape these little girls are going to be friends with the people that would cover it up, are going to be close to the kinds of people that would turn a blind eye as it happens to their children so long as their child 
succeeds and right. we're all going to pretend like it was all worth it some at some day and also never talk about it until yeah, it's just it's awful well i also think by and large we as human beings have a responsibility before god to be multifaceted to develop different parts of ourselves our brains our souls our bodies our intellects there's there's so many different things that god's given us to do and it is weird to me or frightening or something striking i don't know when when you see someone who has only developed aggressively one part of themselves even a good and natural part of themselves and the rest is just not developed. And you don't just see that in sports. You see that in Hollywood. You see that in lots of mm-hmm. fields. You see that with child prodigies. Me and Ben were just talking about this on our awesome. We see it in the kids that go to college at eight years old or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You see that kind of thing. We were talking about that. You didn't get the pleasure of watching Black Widow and joining us. But my theory of Scarlett Johansson is that this is a woman who has been asked by male directors to just keep developing a more sophisticated version of her sexuality. And she's very, very sexually sophisticated, but she's also pretty undeveloped in other facets of her acting, mm-hmm. even. Like, there's been one thing that people have really wanted from this lady, yeah. and it's sad. Yeah. And now that the, the, the bloom is coming off of that, she looks a little stranded. Like she looks a little bit like she doesn't know what to do. Like, yeah. What's, she's, what's she supposed to do now? It's actually a little bit like somebody who spent their whole life training for the Olympics and then didn't get the gold or got the gold and was 16 years old. And by the time she's 20 is not going to be able to compete in the Olympics. Maybe she'll have one more run in her. Maybe she won't, but her life goal has already been a- attained by 16. Now what? Yeah. And if you're not thinking responsibly about that sort of thing, it's just, it's really sad what we ask celebrities to do some. You think of somebody like Marilyn Monroe, you think of people who die, you think of the people where you're sort of happy for them that they died. What on earth, I know it's a sick thing to say, but what on earth was Marilyn Monroe supposed to do once she lost her sexuality? There's a reason that she self-destructed and died because there wasn't anything else. There was no other reason for her to live. So I'm curious because Scarja's my age. Mm-hmm. Is she exactly? She was born at the end of the year. I was born toward the beginning. So right. she's almost a year younger than me, but not quite. But I was, somebody showed a picture of her or was on Facebook or something like that about how how long we've been blessed with mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson. She's been around for a long time because she started as a teenager. Yeah. 10 years old. Yeah. Here's a woman who doesn't know how to do anything but act. And by and large, it ain't the Meryl Streep side of herself that she's been asked to develop. What me and Ben were commenting on specifically in Black Widow is it's fascinating because she has to carry the movie. And anytime she's by herself, she's really wooden. When she has someone else to respond to, particularly a man, she's way, way better. And she's like, here's a person who has a highly developed sense of responsiveness and a underdeveloped sense of being able to carry themselves with any bearing. And it's just weird. Sad. What's that? Is that? Oh, it's her with Colin Firth. Oh, wow. She's 19. Yeah, I think she's 18 or 19. Look how, look how young she is. It looks from these pictures. Yeah. Well, what movie does she play the girl in? 
she's she's like literally playing the daughter in something that we know. Just look, like yeah, the, such a little girl. Yeah, it's, it's disturbing. It is disturbing. So, North Just Cause, the client Manny and Low, if Lucy fell, fall, Home Alone three. Ah, yes. Home Alone 3, I've seen that. The Horse Whisperer, My Brother the Pig, The Man Who Wasn't There, all of these, Ghost World, An American Rhapsody, Eight-Legged Freaks, Lost in Translation, Girl with the Pearl Earring, and The Perfect Score, and A Love Song for Bobby Long, and Entourage, the TV show, and A Good Woman, and In Good Company, and all of those movies before she turned like 18 or 19. Yeah, that's insane. And, and you know, they'll say she had a private tutor and she got her education. But come on, that is a hermetically sealed world that she's been living in since at least the age of 10, since before puberty, since before any kind of mature understanding of herself. And then once she hits her 20s, Match Point, The Island, Scoop, Black Dahlia, mm-hmm. the Prestige, The Other Boleyn Girl, Christina Barcelona, whatever that is, The Spirit. He's just not that into you. And then, the age of 26, Iron Man 2. Ah, yes. The incredibly sophisticated and well-written role. And the Avengers, after we bought a zoo, where she's playing across from Matt Damon, who is (laughs) only 14 years older than her. Just 14. Just 14. And uh, yeah, so she's, She's 25, and uh, he's almost 40. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, isn't the worst thing at all in Hollywood terms. No, no, no. It, it's pretty much always been that way, for better or worse. But, heck, it's that way in Jane Austen novels. So, well, I don't know, Jake. We started out not knowing whether this was going to be a Sanity Bites or a real SOS, and it's been a rambling discussion, but I am tempted to put it on the regular feed because I think it is something that people are talking about. I think the reason we don't put these on the regular feed is because we don't have some unified theory of like... We didn't start with a thing we wanted, we knew we wanted to say. Well, and also it's just like, if you're going to say something, would we be backing ourselves into the corner where we're saying, don't watch professional sports, stop watching movies, Yeah, take a rocket ship... These are the kinds of conversations that people need to be having, though, and the kinds of things that people need to be thinking about. Yeah, I think you have to think that seriously about these things. I'm very wary of cheap solutions, and I tend to include I'm turning it all off as a cheap as solution. A cheap solution. Yeah. If you can, great. But 99% of people who say that they do are lying. Yeah. And the number of times I've heard people say, we don't watch movies anymore and then go on to describe how they watch, uh, how they have a, a weekly family movie night. Mm-hmm. And they what they really mean is we only watch two to three movies a week, mm-hmm. which is way more than we watch as a family. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, we have a family movie night. We do, it's Friday night, but that gets interrupted so often. Mm-hmm with other things that we're, we're doing like this week, it'll be the fair or something like that. And last week it was uh, a party and it's just like, well, and me and Meredith always have a little tally of movies we'd like to watch as a couple, but it's like, 
what is that maybe happen once a month or let like, right. I don't know if people have yeah, it's, it, easier going lives than I do. But. I enjoy watching a movie with the family. I enjoy watching a movie after the kids are in bed with Amanda, but we're tired. There are things to do and yeah. But anyhow, my point was often the kinds of people who say that actually watch more movies than I do mm-hmm. by a long shot. Yeah. And, but are really proud of how few movies they watch. Mm-hmm. And you see that kind of thing happen all the time. And so what you've done is you've taken a self-righteous position and also you're a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Great. Good job. Well, then those are the very people that look down on us for just being like, uh, yeah, we watch some movies. We watch some movies made after the year 1995 too. Yeah. And we, we've decided that we're going to talk about it and be honest about it. Which look, I get it. There's a cynical version of that. There's a version of the, what, what we just said where that's our excuse to just give ourselves license to watch, watch, watch whatever we want. Well, you can't just take a rocket ship off of this world. So I guess I'm going to be worldly. Right. But we can't do either thing. I think we, ha- I think we have to be having a real conversation about our entertainments and I would include sports in there. What, what it's meant for me is there are very few things that I watch passively mm-hmm. just to veg out. If I'm watching a movie about at least half of the time, it's so that we can discuss it on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Maybe not at, at least half. I bet it averages out to be somewhere in the neighborhood of half, depending on the month. Right. Some months I'm going to veg out more and just watch more. But it, right now it's less than half because it's the summer. Mm-hmm. And the winter time is probably when it, when it tips a little the other way. But Or in, in the spring when it's raining all the time or something. I don't right. Know. But just the same. I am far and away a much more active movie watcher. And then we turn around and we talk about it and we mm-hmm. discuss it and we break it down. And try to understand it. Yeah. And there are things that we don't watch. And I, I think it should be the same way with the way that I, I'm not a sports guy, so I can't apply it specifically. But I think that's how, that's generally how people should approach sports. This is also something that I think about and I talk about. And you should, and you should, you should, you should talk and think about it with the NFL, mm-hmm. right? Go and read some of the concussion data and see the ways that not all of it's proven medically or whatever, but go and actually see, do a little bit of just the slightest bit of research into what you're asking people to do to their bodies, Mm -hmm. the ways you're asking them to hurt themselves for life. Yeah. And that's not even talking about boxing or UFC or some of the actual blood blood sports. sports. Yeah. Combat sports. Uh, There's a degree to which I think combat sports are essential. And then there's a degree to which we're talking about bloodlust and I, that's a conversation that you have to have. You cannot be good at fighting without fighting. Mm-hmm. You cannot be good at, and that means that you cannot prepare to defend your country or your family or your city as a without fighting. You have to actually know how to take a punch, which means, and you have to know how to give a punch, and you have to know how to. Well, I think we could have the same discussion about movies. Actually, the people will have narratives. They will not not have their narratives and their fictions. It goes hand in hand with being human. Right. There will... That's how we figure ourselves out. What did they do before movies? They sat around campfires and told stories, idiot. What do you think they did? Right. They went to the the stage. They had plays. They came up with... Some people were more gifted at it than others. And you'd have parties and 
people would tell their stories and it became a thing and people wanted to make like it's just what happens we tell stories we're a a storytelling people god is writing history Mm -hmm. and we're made in his image accept the reality guys like oh no like they had the same crisis about about novels as the novel started to develop in the wake of the printing press guys we tell stories Mm -hmm. What's hilarious now is all all of our, the the people who are most puritanical about movies are like, can we just get back to reading novels? There's a whole generation of Christians that would have been like, what? (laughs) You want to read novels? (laughs) Monster? Heretic? (laughs) What is your problem? (laughs) You want to give yourself to this complete waste of time debauchery? What what are you talking about? Yeah. In, in, In the scope of human history, the novel and the movie are have about the same timetable. Mm-hmm. Really, when you're looking at the grand scope of history, we're talking about the last 300 years, more or less. Right, you can see and antecedents with plays and with some ancient Chinese manuscript that was kind of a novel. But we're really talking yeah. about the last 300 years right. for for both movies and television, mm-hmm. uh, movies, television, and novels. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's pretty new. We're talking about the prof- professionalization, though, of what people have always done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just what's happened across the board with everything that we do sports as well with sports well for goodness sake manufacturing like 300 years ago you had a family farm if you wanted vegetables you grew them mm-hmm. if, if you wanted chickens you went out and you killed one we've professionalized everything it's just how our economy has developed specialization of labor it's the kind of thing you talk about in third grade uh, social studies mm-hmm. right and it, it's largely been a really great thing. Mm-hmm. Far less hunger, far less suffering in the world because of it. And to say that we can't professionalize our stories because some people are great at it is silly. To say that we can't professionalize comedy because some dads are better at jokes than others. Mm-hmm. One is silly and two doesn't denigrate dad jokes. And, and accepting all the things that Jake just says doesn't mean you have to accept what's wicked about Hollywood, what's wicked about comedy, what's wicked about sports, what's wicked about... We have to be able to hold these things and have, as I, as I said on the bookening once, uh, it's, it's thought Christmas. You have to be able to put more than one ornament on your <laughs> thought Christmas tree. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't just say, it's all bad. It's all good. Yeah. And what scares me about some of the people that may, may be listening and take this take me seriously on the hypocrisy fine we're going to i'm going to smash the tv which look i've done i probably the early part of my 20s i probably did a better job of going without media Mm -hmm. than i would say most anybody listening i think that's probably actually true but man there's so much bad about that in so many ways and what what concerns me is like all right dad you have to realize it's on you you better refine your comedic skills and your jokes. You better refine your storytelling. You better be telling your kids stories mm-hmm. and making jokes. And you should be doing that anyway, but you better fill that gap and fill it well or else you're going to have all kinds of other problems. Right. And you're not going to solve any of them by just getting rid of all the quote unquote bad or problematic stuff. Yeah. Hey, you're not going to. Your kids are going to go to school. They are going to see sports. They are going to see media. That is the other thing that seems so simplistic is I just think kids need handles for thinking about these things. And you don't get inoculated to the bad stuff without acknowledging that some of the bad stuff exists. It doesn't mean that you show your 
kindergartners pulp fiction i don't make the dumbest version out of what i'm saying yeah we need to be able to think in a savvy godly way about media about sports about culture that's the same argument for sending your kids to public school no it's not no it's not no it is an argument that maybe a good christian school would have a quality media class yeah and maybe it's dumb that they don't as far as i know Mm-hmm. Maybe that media class would even watch a movie or two. I don't know. Yep. It's obviously something we th- we thought about. <sighs> so Obviously something we better have thought about if we're going to do what we do. I would hope so. Should people watch <laughs> professional sports? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should. You should just realize it's all corrupt and stupid. Yeah. And there's some, or, r- or some glorious things. Some I mean. Amazing things. Say what you will about. I watched The Last Dance just like everybody else. Say what you will about Michael Jordan's pride and the fact that he only did that thing to burnish his, oh, we've got another generation. It's time to burnish my legacy again, which is all that is. A very, very well done version of that. But hey, God gave that man a tremendous gift and it is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Just like God gave Steven Spielberg a tremendous gift. I'm sorry if that sounds blasphemous, but Jaws is a lot of fun. Like. Yep. These are some, these are talented, talented people. And you have to, without being corny or gospel coalition y about it, you have to be able to acknowledge what's glorious about, about what they do. It is fun to watch the Olympics and see these people. Yeah. See what, what the human body can do. It's fun to read about how fast people used to run and how fast we run now. And mm-hmm. it's incredible. Yep. And, yeah, there've been performance enhancing drugs and things involved in some of that, or a lot of it, or the majority of it. Yeah, probably. But also, here we are. Yeah. Well, we've got to record some uh, Clone Wars <laughs> reviews for uh, very important Patreon. They are. Yeah. Clone Wars is great. And man, let me tell you, Clone Wars was. I was a chaplain last week at at a camp, and. Clone Wars was one of the best ways into conversation I found, and it came up accidentally. So, cool stuff. Yep. All right. Well, you can listen to that over on patreon.com yeah, forward slash Maybe I'll talk more about that there. Yep. You can listen, you can support this podcast by going patreon.com, going to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. You'll get fun sanity bites, little videos, all kinds of cool stuff we do behind the magical wall of bonus content over there. And you'll be supporting the show. You'll also be supporting The Ville and Chip and Lance, which has a very exciting season two coming up very soon, I hope. So give us money. Patreon.com forward slash Sound of Sanity. And until next time, stay sane. 